again, we are going to see some contrasts as you say, wow, surprise, surprise. Well, that's what most of the Proverbs are. Not all of them, but most of them seem to be such. And so we'll see some this evening. Now, there's a preacher who told this story. He said, I've been going to the same barber for many years, and I give him increasingly less to work with every year. But one day, I chastised him for actually throwing away all that good hair on the floor. You know, some of us could use that stuff. Anyway, Steve's been a barber for over 50 years, and he's a craftsman at what he does. His dad came to America as an immigrant, made a living as a barber. So Steve literally grew up in a barber shop. As he was cutting my hair the other day, both of them, I learned how he became so good at what he does. He said, different men would come to my father's shop to cut hair. I tried to learn something from each one of them. Everyone had something different uh, that you could learn from him. Preacher went on to say, God wants us to look at people as someone from whom you learn. That's an outlet, out, uh, outlook that can make you a millionaire spiritually, intellectually, emotionally. In our main text, we're going to find that one person is teachable and therefore wise. Therefore, he enjoys rewards that come with that. Another person is not teachable, therefore not wise, and as a result, suffers. Life is exciting when you look at each person you're with as someone you can learn something from. Like my barber realized, watching those men cutting hair in his father's shop, each person has something different to show you. Uh, people in life have things to teach you. He said, last week I met a man who was a surveyor, and I asked what makes someone a good surveyor. I thought maybe I could find a life principle. I met a man who was a consultant to real estate developers, and I asked him, what's the most common mistake real estate developers make? He said, they stay with a bad thing too long. And I thought to myself, that's a good standard by which to evaluate a lot of things in life. One practical facet of humility is teachability, the open-hearted attitude that says, I don't have all the answers. You can learn so much from people who, who are different from you. Uh, Christians that maybe have a window on God that has shown them something you have, may have missed from your window and view of God. You can learn much from children. Uh, you can learn much from your critics. Even if your critic's only 10% right, there's 10% to learn from them. If you're married, I hope you're letting your mate be your teacher. If you'll lower your defenses and stifle your pride, you might find your husband or wife has much to give you. You can learn from your parents if you'll listen and ask questions. You can learn from family. God gave them to you for, uh, for, them to, for you to learn from them and for you to, uh, as well to be a help to them. Uh, here's the question he finally asked. He said, would people around you call you a teachable person? Or someone who's stubborn and closed and always talking, seldom listening. Such is the message of our proverb. Look, if you would, at verse 8 of Proverbs chapter 10, where we find the wise in heart will receive commandments, but a prating fool shall fall. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely, but he that perverteth his ways shall be known. 
He that winketh with the eye causeth sorrow, but a prating fool shall fall. Twice we learn about a prating fool. You may have no idea who that is, but you're going to learn about him, as well as learn a few other things that we're going to see in our study here in Proverbs chapter 10 of three verses and many other related to, or at least talking about, the same kind of person in the rest of the book of Proverbs. I would suspect you knew when we started this study we'd get to the fool and the wise man. You really can't avoid it in the book of Proverbs. Book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. At least that's what I've always been told. And, uh, and it's very true. We're going to find in this passage the wise man and the foolish man. Over 72 times a form of the word fool is found. A couple different words, but a form of the word fool. The word wise is used 46 times. Actually, I thought that was uh, really a, a low number, quite frankly. We found more about the righteous man. Uh, in fact, over twice as much about the righteous man. Now, that's just the word wise used 46 times. There's wisdom as well, and so we're not adding that in. But if the whole of Proverbs is wisdom, then we're going to find these two contrasted quite a bit. And we're introduced into the contrast, if you would, for the first time, pretty much, in chapter 10, as far as the Proverbs. I know we've already talked about the wise man and the fool, or at least we've seen them in the first nine chapters. But here in chapter 10, as we get in earnest into the actual Proverbs, this is the, the really the first time the subject of the wise and the fool is brought out. So let's see, first of all, the contrasts, okay? If it's, a, if it's a passage on contrast, what are the contrasts that are put before us? Really, there are three. I actually thought at first there were only two, but there are three basic contrasts in these verses. Verse 8, the contrast of the wise in heart and the... Oh, come on. Looking for, okay, the fool or the prating fool. We're going to bring up that, that word, the prating fool. Okay, so it contrasts, at least it starts with the contrast of the wise in heart with the prating fool. Now, we're going to talk further about this contrast in some of the other points. But the basic contrast of the wise man and the fool is repeated a number of times. And I'd like you to at least see that. Uh, in the rest of the Proverbs. So take a moment and look at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 14, where we find that wise men lay up knowledge. But what about the mouth of the foolish? It's near destruction. So we see uh, that contrast brought out again. Look, if you would, at chapter 12 and verse 15. Chapter 12 and verse 15, where we start this time with the fool, and we find that his way is what? Right in his own eyes. But, but what does the wise person do? Okay, he's going to listen to counsel. So we have this contrast again. Chapter 14 and in verse 3, we see the mouth of the foolish. And in the mouth of the foolish is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise preserve them. So here we have this contrast once again. Now, what's interesting to me is that as we walk through these, we find that most of the contrasts are, have something to do with the tongue, have something to do with listening, and something to do with 
the way they respond to counsel. In fact, when these things are contrasts, the wise and the fool, that is the primary message. So look at you what at chapter 15. And we find in verse 2 that the tongue of the wise use knowledge aright. But what, what, what happens with fools? Yeah, their mouth pours out foolishness. Look in verse 7. Uh, the lips of the wise. There we go again. There, there's just this connection every time with the lips and the speaking and, and how they respond to speaking. The lips of the wise disperse knowledge. The heart of fools... No interest in learning or hearing uh, or, or sharing wisdom. Uh, look, if you would, now, and this is a little bit further, chapter 29, verse 11, uh, kind of the last one, and there seems to be quite a jump between, uh, uh, if you would, the lists, I know. But in chapter 29, and verse 11, we see the fool again, and he's, uh, he's uttering all his mind. What does the wise man do? Wise man do. <clears throat> okay, keeps it in to afterwards. So you see the contrast, all right? You find that this is often the theme. And again, uh, it's, it's kind of the same idea and the same thought every time you'll see these two mentioned in the same verse, in the same contrast uh, found. Uh, we could picture the contrast as most writers did. And here's how they put it. I thought it was good. It, it contrasts little talk and much substance with much talk and little substance. And I think that's a good way to understand Proverbs chapter 10 and maybe even some of these others that we looked at as well. The idea would be, hey, look, the wise man doesn't talk a lot, but he, there's a lot of substance because he listens and he learns. The, the, the fool, hey, look, he's ready to talk and talk and talk and talk and talk, but there's little substance because he thinks he knows everything. No one can instruct him, and he's got all the answers. Someone explained that the wise man takes advice, the fool gives advice. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, everyone who gives advice is a fool. You understand, all right? Um. But the truth of the matter is, wise people usually, this is, sounds strange, usually hold back until someone draws it out of them. Whereas the fool, he's ready to spout it and, and impress everyone with his great knowledge all the time. Uh, so the fool is full of talk. Uh, the wise man is little talk. Uh, and so... Here we have this, this great picture, and if you go back and you look at verse 8, that's, that's really a picture of it. The wise in heart will receive commandments. Ready here. The prating fool, he's going to fall. Abraham Lincoln showed which side of the ledger he was on one day. Uh, the story I think I've told before, but it kind of relates this truth well, I think. Lincoln, uh, in order to please a certain politician, issued a command, and the command was to um, to um, uh, transfer certain regiments and, and, and move them to different places. The Secretary of War at the time was Edwin Stanton, and when he received the order, he refused to carry it out, and he said this, the president is a fool. Now, what would you think would happen? Lincoln was the president, and as such, 
he had authority to say, this is what we're going to do. The Secretary of War could have been removed from his post without hesitation. Lincoln was told that Edwin Stanton had told him he was a fool. Lincoln said this, if Stanton said I'm a fool, then I must be, for he is nearly always right. I'll see for myself. That was a quote. The two men met, they talked, and the president realized quickly his decision was a serious mistake. He withdrew the request. See, Lincoln was among the wise in this action. He was one that was open to learning. Which are you? It's a challenging thought. It's, it's easy to talk about all the things you know. It's not so easy to be a listener and a learner. And that is what we find in this passage taught. Have you ever met the man who had an opinion on everyone who believed they were always right? Um, have you ever met a man who was teachable and had great wisdom because he learned from everyone? Such is what God challenges us about here in this contrast between the wise man and the fool. Second contrast is found in verse 9. We have the contrast with the upright and with the crooked. Yes, crooked. The upright with the crooked. That may seem like a strange way to put it, but it contrasts people who have a decision to make about the course of life. He that walketh uprightly walketh surely. He that perverteth his ways shall be known. So the contrast is an upright man compared to a man who is crooked. And by the way, the perverse man, who the word literally means crooked, follows a sinful path. And it's evident to all that he's crooked or he's corrupt. The upright man, on the other hand, isn't proud. He doesn't think he has all the answers. He puts aside himself. He listens to the wise counsel. He charts a course, and he acts in an appropriate manner all the time. He has the character to listen, to learn, evaluate, and do right. Corrupt man, he doesn't care. He's just going to go the course he thinks is right without any regard for what truly is right. There are two other Proverbs that talk about the upright and perverse. This is not as often, we don't see it as often as the other one. Um, Proverbs 28 actually have both of them. So uh, now we go back to Proverbs 28. Maybe we should keep a place in both of these, okay? Proverbs 28. And you see in verse 6, Better is the poor that walketh in his uprightness, than he that is perverse in his way, crooked in his ways, though he be rich. Now, the contrast seems to be rich and poor, okay? But it is dealing with these two people. And he says, look, it's better to be poor and walk in uprightness than, um, than to be perverse in your ways, even if you're rich. So the upright and the crooked. Look, if you would, in verse, of verse 18 of the same chapter. Whoso walketh uprightly shall be saved, but he that per, is perverse in his ways shall fall at once. By the way, don't you see how these Proverbs are, are very, at least seem to be, at least that last one, pretty closely related to what we're finding in these verses. So the thoughts are repeated 
in different ways to give us different aspects, but to challenge us about this contrast. And again, we ask the question, are you upright or crooked? In your ways. Good question. And then in verse 10, actually the end of verse 9 going into verse 10, we have a contrast between what? I'm asking that question, it's not as a trick question, but I actually felt that verses 8 and 10 were tied together and they were supposed to be understood in that way. But then I struggled with the first part of verse 10. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Because the first part of verse 10 seems pretty strange, doesn't it? Who is this guy? (laughs) And why is he winking? I mean, those are some good questions to ask yourself because that certainly doesn't describe the wise person because the guy who winks is causing sorrow. Am I right? So then, verse 10 and verse 8 are only tied by the prating fool. The first part of verse 10 is dealing with, in essence, it seems to me, the end of what's what we find at the end of verse 9, which is who or what? The crooked man, the perverse man. The evil man. Now you say, well, well, pastor, how can you make that tie between the end of verse 9 and verse 10? Well, we can't necessarily because they are individual Proverbs. We know that. We understand that. But if we're going to get an understanding of what the winking with the eye causing sorrow could be from, it's always best to get it from Scripture. Does that make sense? Okay. The book of Proverbs actually gives us an example of this. So, take a moment and go back to chapter 6, if you would. And I want you to see why we would say that it is the wicked man or the crooked man or the perverse man that's being talked about at the beginning of verse 10 and compared with or contrasted with the fool. If you look in chapter 6, you'll find this in verse 13 about someone. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Do you see anything that's tied in or at least can tie with verse 10 of chapter 10? The answer is yes. Okay, so who is the person? Look in verse 12. The naughty man. He's naughty. Naughty, naughty, naughty. Do do you know what this word is taken from? It's interesting. Um, It's taken from the word Belial. Naughty. He is a, a follower of Belial or a man of Belial. So there's a contrast with the wicked and the fool in verse 10. Um, Very interesting to me because I thought it really was just a connection with verse 8 and the wise man and the fool. But in essence, verse 10 is about, this proverb is about the wicked man and the fool. And you say, what is the difference? Well, look at verse 10 and, and you tell me the differences that you see between the two. Okay, very true. Whereas the fool, 
he hurts himself. Okay? That's, that's, that's one thing. Is there another? It helps if you know what prating means. No one knows what prating means. Yeah, must have had it in your Bible somewhere. <laughs> Maybe you knew that. All right. Babbling, um, uh, we'll describe it a little bit later. We'll talk about it further, but it does have to do with, with running his mouth. So is there, is there another picture or another difference, another contrast as far as the wicked and the fool? How is the wicked speaking? He's communicating silently while, while the fool is communicating openly, all right? So you say, wow, I never, never caught that. I, I, at least I didn't before. So there is this, this picture. The wicked man pictured in our text is quiet. He's deceiving people. He's drawing people in, and through his activities, he's causing sorrow by using and abusing unsuspecting people for his own pleasure. Whereas the fool, on the other hand, may believe himself to be wise and may reject counsel being offered, but he has no malicious intent in rejecting that. He does little harm to others. He ends up hurting himself because he's only interested in himself. And so we have this proverb, these proverbs, these three proverbs, which give us this picture of the contrast between three different, if you would, pairs of people. And it's important to note and understand them all. So we have the, the wise in heart, and we have the prating fool. We have the upright uh, in life, and we have the crooked in life. We have the wicked person, and we have the prating fool. And each one teaches us a different lesson and instructs us in a different way and gives us things for, for us to think about. And next time, we're going to have opportunity to learn about the conduct of all these people. But we're going to leave it right there for now. Father, I pray that you'd help us to understand these people better, to understand the, the danger of being a fool, the danger of the crooked path, the danger of, of wickedness as well, and to see the blessing of wisdom and upright living. And I pray that if we're described, the description that we receive or that people would give of us, that you would give of us, would certainly put us among the wise and the upright and not any of the others. And Lord, I'll thank you for your help in strengthening and enabling us to be that kind of person. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord bless you. You should do right. You're dismissed. <laughs>